Really good to see you. <clears throat> Hope you're well. Uh, probably feeling better than I am today, so that's probably good. Uh, I'm just, uh, we're in a series called Just Jesus, <clears throat> and we're uh, talking about the topic, I'm alive, uh, today, uh, which I think I am, are you? <laughs> so, some of you are. Uh, we all love a good before and after, don't we? We like an extreme makeover. They're everywhere on TV at the moment, whether it's in, your, in, the, in the home, in the rooms, you, you, you gut your kitchen, you take the before shot, and then you do it out beautifully and you take the after shot. Uh, whether it's uh, weight loss, uh, the before and after. Do you know that um, a guy called Ronnie Brewer, he lost 180 kilograms of weight. Now, it's incredible, isn't it not? That is, I worked out, I mean, I'm not great at working things out like this, but that is like two and a half times of me. Imagine carrying two and a half times of me around and then losing two and a half times of me. That was what Ronnie Brewer did. Incredible, uh, extreme makeover. Cindy Jackson, she uh, is the lady who holds claim to the most amount of plastic surgeries. Uh, she has had 52 plastic surgeries at a cost of $100,000. And um, I guess she just has to be careful sitting close to the fire. <clears throat> <laughs> and of course, we've all got a shot like this, haven't we? which is before the lockdown or the barbers were closed and then after the barbers were closed. Anybody remember the program Happy Days? Hey. The Fonz lives on. But I want to tell you that there is none of those are half as extreme as the makeover that we're going to look at today in Ephesians 2, where the likes of you and I, because of Jesus Christ, went from being dead to being raised to life in Jesus. So let's read this together. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, I say together, I think you're going to read it. Uh, it's going to come up on the screen, and this is the before, if you like. These verses... We're going to read from 1 to 10, but we're going to take them in stages. We're going to have a look at them. This is the before shot, okay, that we would post on our social media page in this self-obsessed culture that we live in. And it says this. So why don't we read it together? I'm going to, I'm going to stop reading. It's good to read scripture out aloud. I don't know how this is going to go because there's a lot of you in the room, but I'm sure you can keep in time with one another. All right, here we go. As for you,
Well done. Just about. Just about. We were dead in our sins. We were alive physically. At that moment, we could love and do life. But in every spiritual way, we were dead. We were cut off from our creator. And just to make this absolutely clear, we were not drowning in need of a life belt. We were not injured in need of some rehabilitation. We were not just sleeping and needed waking up. We were dead in our sin. Our sinful nature caused us to have no good in us. We didn't need medicine. We needed a miracle. First point, we were dead in our sin. Second point, in this first uh, passage, we were enslaved by the devil. Three ways in which we were kind of enslaved by the devil, the world, the devil himself, and the flesh, our flesh. Let's have a look at this world system that we live in. It is an anti-God culture. We have this mindset and mentality that we just do it because everyone else is doing it. We are slaves to the world system. The Bible says do not conform to the pattern of this world because there is a pattern in this world that God has given permission for the enemy, the devil, to run. And so the dominant force in this world is evil. That's why we can't seem to protect even a baby in the womb that is viable. That's why marriage, as it was intended by God, is being eroded by our culture. That's why abuse still exists in this world and why poverty, which very well could be eradicated if the the richest few gave away to the poorest few, that's why poverty still exists. We are enslaved in this world system. And then there's the devil himself. That passage there says that we are enslaved by the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Air is everywhere, is it not? (laughs) So is the enemy, the devil. And the world laughs at this because it doesn't understand. And the enemy tricks the world into thinking that he doesn't exist. And yet they are all, and we, without Christ, are at his whim and his definition in our lives. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 to 6, it says, We, that's the unbelievers, have been blinded by the God of this age. It's another reference to the devil. What have we been blinded to? We have been blinded to the truth of Jesus Christ. We've been blinded to the truth of the gospel. We've been blinded 
into accepting the culture and conforming to this world. And finally, we're enslaved by our own flesh, our own sinful nature. As we were born in Adam, so we have a sinful nature and sin rules in our lives. We have the urge to do what seems to just come naturally through our own bodies. I can relate to Paul in Romans 7, like you might be able to, where he says, I seem to do what I don't want to do. He's pointing to this picture of being enslaved by the corrupt flesh that his soul and his body is encased in. Friends, without a savior, this is our lot. It's not a pretty picture. It is bad news. As a result, we are condemned to hell. The Bible calls us children of wrath. Under God's righteous, and it is righteous, anger, and under his just, and it is just, judgment. Against all that is unholy and destructive. And that was us. That was me. And that was you. In Genesis 6, 5, it says, Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. It's an incredible state that we have found ourselves in. We were born sinners and therefore we sinned. And the reality is we have no defense before God. You know, when I talk about this on things like Alpha and to my unsaved mates, I guess there's two responses to this news. The first response is, yeah, I, I can see that. I, I feel that. I know that I am no good. But that's not the response that I get most often. The response I get most often is that, no, no, surely, surely we are good. At our root, at inherently, surely humankind is good. Surely. Yes, we do some bad stuff, but surely at our root, we're all right. Aren't we? We're all right, yes? Tell me. We want to believe that. But it's not the truth of the Bible. When you come to God with a CV, when you come to God with a curriculum vitae, rather than a confession, you are missing the whole deal of why you need a savior. I used to think that I was a good addition to God's team. That I was gonna bring some good stuff that this, these church people needed some shaking up. They needed some life and some... And then I realized I was coming to God with a CV and not a confession. It's so important 
that we understand that we are fallen and short of God's glory. That we are all broken and there's not one of us who gets away with it. And we are all therefore in need of restoration. You know, and I, I love the fact that God, because <laughs> only God would do this, sent us his word to help us realize the truth of our blindness. And only God's messengers, people like you and me, who love other people, can bring this message. They care enough about the state of this world to warn people of their predicament that their destiny is not a good one without a saviour. And so today, if you are without a saviour and if you don't know him, I am warning you to flee from the wrath that is to come upon your life because you are dead in your sin. That's the before. That's the before. Let's look at the defining moment, if you like. In the hairdresser's chair, the transformation is about to take place. Verse four, it's gonna come up on the screen. One defining moment, and they often, as they do in the Bible, begin with, but God. That was where we were, but God who because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy made us what alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, that's the sin word, it is by grace you have been saved. Friends, this verse changes everything. It's a game-changing verse. It's a life-transforming verse. It's the good news of the gospel and it begins with but and it entitles and encompasses great love and it is ultimately dependent on God and his rich mercy for you and I who brought nothing to the table. We can add nothing to our salvation. This is grace, 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 Grace and mercy. Grace is in verse five, it's in verse seven, it's in verse eight. And it's because of his great love for us that he is rich in mercy, he is rich in kindness and he gives us the gift of God that we completely did not deserve. (laughs) You know, sometimes when you think that you had a part to play in your salvation, like that you made a decision to follow him. Well, that's kind of true, but everything was God-ordained. Everything. We brought nothing to the table. It wasn't a good decision in us. It was his resurrection power in us that enabled us to believe on him. As a result, we are alive With Christ, we are rescued from a fate that is literally would have been death. 
This is not a nip and, jo- a nip, a nip and tuck job. This is not plastic surgery. This is full-blown resurrection paddles in the same way that Christ himself was raised from the dead. That's what it took to raise you from the dead. And the same new life that quickened him is the same new life that quickened you. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 4 again, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. (laughs) He raises us from death to life. He takes us out of Adam, which is sin, and into Christ, which is freedom. There is a new nature. We are a new creation in him. Death no longer reigns because life has conquered and we have therefore overcome death by Christ and we are now not condemned, no longer enslaved. We are alive in him forever and ever because of Jesus Christ. A new creation, a brand new identity, a brand new family that we get to belong to, a brand new purpose because he calls us to something and a brand new destiny with him which is eternal in glory. One defining moment. What about afterwards? Verses four to 10, this is your turn again, okay? We're gonna read, you can do this at home as well. One, the words will come up on the screen and we're gonna read this Together, and it says this, and God raised us up. For it is by grace you have been saved. Two things I want to pull out. You are seated in Christ with him in the heavenly realms. It's not a bad place to get seated, is it? What does this look like? Well, a couple of words, privilege. Wow, we belong now to a different order. We belong to a different realm. We're still in this world, if you like, but we are no longer of it. Something has changed, something has shifted. We now reside in the heavenlies with Jesus, the glory realm with Christ. You are metaphorically sat right next to Jesus, who is sat right next to the Father on his right hand. Jesus has everything, he's under his footstool, the Bible says. He's, he, everything else, every other uh, dominion, every other authority, every other power is under Jesus Christ and you're sat right next to him in the heavenly realms. What does this mean? It means your address has been changed. 
I live at number 111. And then a road name. <laughs> My new address is 111 Heavenly Realms. I have full access to the Father because I'm sat next to Jesus. That means I have all authority and power that Jesus had because I am in and have been seated in that place. I can be certain, therefore, that my prayers will be heard. I can be certain, therefore, that I don't have to walk this life alone any longer. I can be certain, therefore, that he is for me and with me every moment of the day as long as I will live, which is forever with him. Second word is kindness. Oh, this is amazing. This verse here where it says that in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I borrowed an illustration from Piper, John Piper. I modernized it. So here we go. Imagine Elon Musk, right? He is one of the richest, or he is the richest man in the world at the moment. $224 billion, billion billion probably, that's the next one on, uh, is his net worth And imagine that if he, on the oath of the blood of his son, vowed to spend his riches on your life, lavishing you with as much kindness as he could manage until everything ran out. Imagine the kindness that that might look like. Well, let me tell you that that wealth is like a grain of sand in the desert in comparison to God's riches and wealth. Elon Musk's time is limited. God's is unlimited. Paul helps us by saying these words that it's, it's... insurpassable, it's incomparable and it lasts for all the ages to come, how many coming ages are there I don't know, but they're all coming and they go on forever and ever and ever it's incredible this kindness, third word victory, Jesus is seated, he sat down (laughs) because he is victorious, Christ has won the battle He's defeated the devil. He's defeated the enemy. And he sat down and every principality and power now bows down to him. He is no longer, in a, in a sense, at work. He's at rest. He's seated. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Knowing that he has got the victory in our life. And the authority that comes from that should change us drastically. Every morning we wake up knowing of his kindness, of his privilege, of where we're seated, of his victory in our lives. 
It should cause us to walk out of our front door as conquerors. Because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We can say no to the devil's schemes. We can say no to the fleshly desires. Because Christ has won out in our lives. And we have been transformed. And lastly, we're created to do good works for him in Christ. You are God's masterpiece. When he looks at you, he sees the most beautiful masterpiece ever. Righteous, forgiven, free, accepted by him. You are made and you are created on purpose for a purpose. You don't just stumble into being a Christian. You don't stumble, you don't trip over one day and fall into Christ. No, he has chosen you for purpose. (laughs) He made you for a reason. He connects you into his plans and he has prepared those things even before the foundation of the world for us to walk into a perfect fit for you and for me and the gifts and the talents that he has given us and the way that he has saved us. We are called by someone, the Father, to someone, Jesus Christ, for something. He has got something for you to do that is gonna continue and broaden his eternal purposes here on the earth that will enable the whole plan to hold together. Isn't that amazing? Let's just get one thing straight. These are not works that add or help to our salvation, right? It is by grace you have been saved. There are no works that could add. There is nothing that we could add. It's all of his doing and his kindness and his good love for us. Wow. He's got normal things for you to do and I believe he's got special things for you to do. Special things that only you could do. What could they look like? A hundred thousand million different things for you the way you are tomorrow morning in your office, the way you worship in a minute, because we're gonna worship, the way you hold yourself when you're around people who don't know Jesus, the way you lead your life group or your ministry. Maybe even this year, God's got a new ministry for you to step into. We're talking about new life groups, places where people can find hope and community. Maybe that's for you this year as you walk into a purpose that he has planned for in advance for you to do because you suddenly realize that you're created for more. One of the things surely that he wants us to do is to take as many people with us into heaven 
because of this amazing news that we now know and live in. We're going to worship in a moment. Why don't the band come up? It was grace that took us from death to life. It was grace that seated us with him. It was grace that has enabled us privilege and kindness and victorious living. It is grace that we have been saved. How do you get in? How do you get into grace? Simply by trusting in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the, cro- on the cross for you. That's the ticket. It's faith. And all you need today, if you want to say goodbye to your old life, and it won't be any of your doing, the fact that you're here today. If you're not a Christian in this place today, he has been working and ordaining in your life. And he's ready to shine a light into your heart so you can start to understand the riches of the glory of Christ in the glory of God in the face of Christ. And he might be doing it even as we begin to worship again in a moment. And all you need to do is to come to him with faith and confess that you were dead in your sins and you will be made alive in Christ in an instant and everything changes and you'll get all the benefits, as it were, of living for him. Yes, you've given up your life, but you've gained a far better life with Jesus at the center, which will never disappoint you. And it goes on forever and ever. And we'll get to worship in eternity for this amazing truth of before and after because of one defining moment. Let's stand together. Father, help us to worship you (laughs) like you deserve because of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Amen.